All right, you're now tuned in to the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 234. We've got drama in Brooklyn. We're going to talk about that whole situation and what they got to do moving forward. Why does Minnesota keep poking a sleeping grizzly bear? And J.R. Smith got a 4.0, y'all. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew. Drew, kick that intro music. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 234. Drew and I have been on wedding hiatus. Drew is officially a married man. We spent uh, the weekend up in Santa Barbara. Awesome wedding. Okay. Great people. We had our crew there. We had Jeff Crompton. We had Douchebag John. We had Barstool Ben. We had the commissioner, uh, Commissioner Matt, show up. Your, your bride-to-be, your now bride, looked absolutely beautiful. She did. She looked amazing. Drew, you looked like a six-foot-four James Bond, okay, minus, <laughs> minus the Bond hair. We ate like kings. We drank like fish. There was a donut wall, if you guys don't know. Like, I've been donut sober for seven years. I had an issue <laughs> back in the day with donuts, and uh, I, I broke my sobriety on Drew's wedding night. But it was a blast. Drew, how's it feel to be a married man? Well, you know what? That day was awesome. And everything that, you know, leading up to the moment, all the advice was like, like really soak it in, you know, take it in. It goes by fast. Um, and I agree with that sentiment. I think the thing that worked really nicely for me is that I was relatively sober for, for the wedding. And so I do have really good memory of everything that happened, which is great. It's the following days that went by in a blur for your boy. I uh, I don't remember the last four or five days after. Like, I, it's Thursday now. I've been married for almost a week somehow. And that part was really, really a blur for, for your boy because I was throwing him back. You catch me at the pool, I had a drink. You catch me at brunch, there is a drink. Uh, so I did, I did the right thing in not being like the blacked out groom or like the super drunk groom at his own wedding. I nailed that. And then, you know, I really, I made up for it in the following days, but this was, this was phenomenal. The only thing clips is that I, I was not able to track all of these games in the NBA as I wished, as I would normally have given, given the time of year outside of the marriage. So uh, this will be as informative for me of a podcast as it will be for all of our listeners. I need you to catch me up, Doug. Well, I got you, and we're gonna get we're gonna get into your bullet points because I'm looking forward to hearing your drunken bullet yeah. points on what you think happened in the NBA this past week. Again, we are behind. We're playing a little catch up. Everybody's been able to say what they 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 wanted to say. It's now our turn. But I want to say one more thing about your wedding. The 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 funny thing for me personally was everybody you introduced me to. You would introduce them to me or to them by my government name. And they'd be like, oh, nice to meet you. And then you'd be yeah. like, oh, no, this is Clips. And they'd be like, oh, Clips. Yeah, we listen. We love the show. There are so many people, everybody at that wedding, on your bride's side, too. I had aunties, grandmas, moms come up and be like, we listen to your show. The love that we got there. And it's yeah. funny. I was talking to uh, Kendall, who is your 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 wife's sister, right? After yeah, my after sister-in-law now. Your sister-in-law. Yeah. It's so weird saying that. 
and we were we were rapping out and you know they gave a speech at your wedding and they were trying to figure out a way her and her sister to, they were going to do our intro for their for their oh, speech at man. the wedding and they're like you know we were going to do it but only maybe half of the people would, would have really understood what that was but i thought that was such a great great call so anyways awesome weekend it's time to get down to basketball i think this will be fun you haven't told me your bullet points drew because i got you covered on everything so let me hear what bullet points you have and we will drop we, we will drop it for you okay so since wednesday april 20th i think i watched one entire game and it happened to be the day after my wedding in which I was heavily participating in, in some beverages with everybody. So that one's even a blur. So during the course of that week, these are the things that were permeated in my brain that I was able to write down in the moment. Uh, the first bullet point, the Celts defense on the nets <laughs> good, and, yeah. and the heats defense on Trey young. Mm-hmm. Those two were standouts. The second bullet point, something went wrong with Booker's hamstring and that, and that series took a turn. Mm-hmm. The third, Middleton messed up his knee, mm-hmm. and then Levine catches COVID, which kind of you know cancels <laughs> cancels out the Bulls, even though they were rowdy. And I felt good about my pick on that one. Uh, the fourth, apparently, these are all injury related. The fourth is Embiid's thumb; something happened to his thumb. <laughs> something, yes. And then the fifth was Luca's return marks the end of the Jazz. That's 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 the last bullet point I have written down. And that's it. That's really that's all I got outside of like crazy John Morant highlights and, mm-hmm. you know, a, a litany of Sports Center uh, highlights that I was able to watch at two o'clock in the morning that I'll never remember. That's essentially what uh, what crept into your boy's brain. But before we move on, I will say one of the one of the funniest aspects of my wedding was as soon as Casey and I were done on the dance floor, like doing our own individual dance and everyone was able to greet us i had three separate people come up to me and give me the rundown of the nets celtics games that that was happening as the ceremony was going on so i had three guys go celtics just one by six like they gave me like a full like there was 55 fouls uh you know like the, the whole rundown so i want to shout out those individuals that came up to me that knew i needed to be informed uh so all three of the gentlemen well, i appreciate you Oh, well, Barstool Ben, our, our guy from Boston, was definitely a diehard Boston fan, uh, was definitely keeping us up to date with uh, or up to up to the, the time of, of what was going on in that game. Let's start with one of your bullet points, because I wanted to start the show with the teams and players that I don't want to talk about again for another five months. OK, and Good. I think I think we got to start with Brooklyn. All right. The drama that is the Brooklyn Nets that have happened this season. 71% of GMs uh, across the NBA had these guys winning the title and they got fucking swept. And there's just so much drama to come with it. All of this Ben Simmons talk that we've been talking about since the end of last season up until three nights ago, man. Uh, targeting a game four comeback. We're seeing him on the sidelines with, you know, I'm wearing the Grinch outfit, the bright green outfit so people can see me. And then the next night I'm going to wear my Ronald McDonald outfit with sunglasses on so people can see me. And then I'm going to rebound so people see me on the court. And then to be completely ghost game four, not even show up, not even be on the bench. um, it, It just really rubbed me the wrong way, man. And before we get into Kyrie, I kind of just want to stay a little bit on Ben Simmons. Like now everything came out that, well, I have a mental block now that triggers my back injury. That's why I didn't play. I'm not a doctor, man. 
I don't know what this means. So that like when you look at a crowd, your back hurts. Is that what it is? Because what I see and what people, what, what the general public sees is somebody that doesn't want to be there when they get swept, knowing that that was going to happen. This is exactly what you wanted. This is the, you wanted these guys, right? You trade James Harden to bring Ben Simmons in. So at what point are these franchises going to um, take control of their franchises? Like, do they not do their due diligence when they when they got Ben Simmons? How do we know that this guy was a red flag and nobody else does, right? Like Kendrick Perkins had this comment the other day that, that was went viral and whatnot, comparing Ben Simmons to uh, the pretty girl that smokes cigarettes, right? And I get it. <laughs> it makes sense, right? But all I'm thinking about is she's not the pretty girl that smokes cigarettes. She's the 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 good looking boyfriend that's a huge red flag right the red flag that your girlfriends and that your mom and that your the people that care about you tell you like yo he's no good for you cheats on girls not nice to his parents never really had a great relationship ex-girlfriends don't say anything really good about him right his friends don't even really like him when you're a smoker like my I used to be a smoker I could I could lie about being a smoker I can hide it I used to carry axe around with me in lotion in lotions and creams to make me smell better. Right. You can't hide what Ben Simmons has done. So like d- did Sean Marks and these guys just not do their research about this guy? Like, do they really think, and it, another thing, like going back to the red flag boyfriend, all the girls think that they can change him. Right. And he's going to be different mm-hmm. if he's put in this new situation. Right. So first tell me what you think about the whole Ben Simmons situation. Cause that's how I feel at this point. So I was able to kind of track a little bit through Instagram, thankfully. Um, And everything that I heard was that we were expecting Ben Simmons on the court for game four in a game in which he was desperately needed. And that's something that I think we, we knew immediately from game one even was like, Oh, with, if Ben Simmons gets on this court, this could be an entirely different look to this and feel to the series. The revelation that the Nets also wanted Ben Simmons on the court and that he was the one that pulled back and said, like, no, I don't, I'm not ready to play. I don't know how much we can blame Sean Marks or Steve Nash or the Nets organization. Ben Simmons, when he was, you know, talking to the Nets about potentially making the trade and, and, you know, sliding into Brooklyn, I'm sure he said, I should be ready to go. Like, I, you know, when you need me, if I'm, if I'm healthy, I should be, I, he probably said all the right things. You know what I mean? Or clutch did. Uh, or, yeah, or, or, or lied, just mm-hmm. boldface lied right. to, you know, to do something. But again, as a, as if you're Sean Marks, if you're Steve Nash, like why well, you have to take what this guy's going to say on face value, because that's all you can do. And you have a disgruntled James Harden that you clearly want to try and get some, some value out of when you make that trade. I do think, you know, regardless of who's to blame, to me, it's Ben Simmons. You have to blame Ben Simmons because either he lied or the Nets didn't do enough research or didn't provide him with the the, the right amount of doctors, whether that be like actual like physical doctors or, or mental doctors, whatever it was. What this is going to do is this is now we're going to have, I think, moving forward, mental health clauses in NBA contracts. It's going to be treated differently. And I, I would expect teams to push for insurance um, for players that are out with mental health the same way they have these insurance coverages for when someone's knee blows out right so like the big thing with John Wall with the Wizards he was getting paid all that much money while sitting on the sidelines for two years but those the, uh, the Wizards were able to recoup something like 70 to 80 percent 
of his salary that was being paid out because of these insurance clauses that they have to, to, to lean on so that they weren't footing the bill entirely for this, you know, mishap, this injury mishap. I do think now with Ben Simmons and, and with Kyrie too, uh, amazing that they're on the same team now. Uh, this is something moving forward that I think the NBA is going to have to now take a closer look at as to what is fair, what is not fair to the player and to the organization. Yeah, I, I actually really like that. They should they should bring that up because that's a thing. And I think Ben Simmons, and again, I don't know Ben Simmons. I don't know what he's going through. It could be something huge or it could just be a cop-out. I have no idea. He's trying to recoup that $20 million. I get it. But like, look, uh, our boy Goose tagged me in something on Facebook the other night. And I, I, I want to read this, so bear with me. It's not long at all. But this is what I'm talking about where people aren't doing their due diligence. Like this isn't something that happened overnight. If you look at the, you know, if you go back to like the draft videos and stuff, like the people will tell you Ben Simmons acts entitled. Ben Simmons doesn't work hard. Ben Simmons doesn't like to be at practice. Ben Simmons doesn't like to be told what to do, right? So anyways, I'm tagged in this post on Facebook and I want to read it to you. Ben Simmons' history of quitting on teams goes further back than most people realize. All the signs were there from a young age. At 18 years old, Simmons arrived at LSU with, quote, little desire to achieve anything more than showcasing his talents to NBA scouts, according to Yahoo Sports. The report also noted that Simmons demonstrated minimal effort and poor body language all season. There was no hustle or desire in his game, just an attitude uh, that he was above everyone else, including his teammates. With Simmons more focused on himself than his team, LSU failed to even make the NCAA tournament. Then there's his troubled relationship with, with, us, with the Australian Boomers, Australia's national team. Simmons hasn't played for Australia since 2013 when he was 17 years old, despite promising to suit up on multiple occasions and then backing out at the last minute. He committed to play for the Aussies in the 2019 FIBA Basketball World Cup and hyped up uh, the, his decision on social media before ultimately, what do you think, Drew, pulling out. Simmons then partially recommitted, saying he would still play in, in Australia's two hugely anticipated warm-up games against Team USA in Melbourne. In Melbourne. Those games were heavily marketed to Australians as Ben Simmons battles Team USA on home soil. Aussie fans immediately sold out both games despite, despite them being played in a 50,000-seat football stadium. It was all anyone in Australia was talking about. The whole country was buzzing. So naturally, Simmons pulled out at the last minute. I mean, these are going back to when he's 17 years old. So I just don't know what these people are expecting from Ben. And I get it. Maybe last year was traumatizing for him, how the fans treated him and whatnot. But this is also something you signed up for, man. And everybody can't be wrong about your work ethic and how you treat other people, right? As our boy, uh, my, my, our good friend says, dude, you are who you are. And I just think this was uh, uh, a match not made in heaven. I don't see this working out. And we haven't even gotten into Kyrie yet. All right. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of want to get into Kyrie too, because this all, this all like goes together. So, well, so, but real quick, for those that are interested in a different perspective and a close perspective on the comments that you just made about Ben Simmons with the Australian national team. Uh, Ryan Rossillo had Andrew Bogut on his podcast and they talked for a few minutes about that specific aspect to Ben Simmons. It was very enlightening and Bogut essentially, you know, commiserated everything you just mentioned um, and confirmed it that it's, it, it has nothing to do with the Australian national team, like not wanting him to be there or, or being like, you know, try, like him feeling shunned. They all wanted him there desperately. And Bogut went as far as to say, 
We don't need you to turn into Michael Jordan all of a sudden and average 30 points for us. Play your fucking role. We'll be solid and we'll be that much better and we'll be that much closer to competing for, for you know, important, uh, you know, Olympic gold medals and FIBA championships and things like that. So if you're interested in a little bit more in-depth going off of your comments, the Ryan Rosillo podcast with Andrew Bogut goes into that. Well, so it just validates everything that was just said, right? So my whole thing is like, okay, again, red flag boyfriend. Look at this. This is going back 10 years almost, right? So then we get into Kyrie. Again, everything has to be prefaced with like, Kyrie is an extreme talent. One of the most talented guys we've ever seen. He's amazing. Yes, we get it, right? But then there's comments. You know, we had a we had a whole podcast talking about the beginning of the season when, um, when Kyrie said that, you know, uh, we don't really need a coach. And, uh, you know, I can be a coach one day and then Kevin can be a coach one day. And then Jacques, Jacques Vaughn, who's actually been a coach forever, can be a coach one day. And then, you know, Steve can coach too, right? And we were all blown, <laughs> blown away by that comment, right? And you'd think it wouldn't get any worse. And then after game four of getting swept, getting swept, 71% of GMs in the, in, in the NBA thought you were going to win the championship. Then you get swept. And not only are you in, and I'm going to throw him and Trey Young smiling on the stage after you get swept. Then you go out and say, I think this entails us, me and Kev, managing this franchise together alongside Joe Sy and Sean Marks. And my, my next next to that, I put WTF because like, what the fuck, man? What what do you mean managing this franchise? Like, can 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 the front offices do their damn job and take control of the franchises that stop letting the players play GM, stop letting clutch play GM, stop letting them manipulate you into making you uh, uh, making decisions based on their players wishes and wanting them to play with their buddies, do your fucking jobs guys. And um, you know, it's just, oh man, it frustrates me so much, Drew. And after I heard that comment, like, I, and I don't like being this guy, but you are paid to be the player, right? You're not play, paid to be the coach. You're not paid to, you know, uh, run the food and beverage department. And you're not paid to do the scouting department. You are the player. Be the player. Let everybody else do everything else, man. And, and, and we're seeing that. It didn't work with LeBron, Right. It's not going to work with K. And you know, everybody's like, I feel bad for KD. I don't feel bad for KD. I don't feel bad because this is what KD wanted. You asked for this. You left a dynasty, dog. Like you would have had all those times where I'm not going to, I wouldn't be the number one guy. You would have been for two seasons when you're missing Steph and you're missing Clay for two seasons and you'd have two more chips. You'd be at LeBron right now. You fuck, you'd be playing for, for your fifth, like Kobe right now. <laughs> But this is what you wanted, right? You you wanted to be Batman. And now what you have is Batman with another guy that who wants to be Batman. And then you got Simmons over here who wants to be Superman, but then doesn't want to put on his cape ever. Okay? If that makes any sense. So, <laughs> yeah. look, moving forward with, um, with the Nets. Kyrie's up for a five-year $248 million extension. Right? What are you going to do? You can't let Kyrie walk away, but you can't sign this guy to a five-year deal. And if I'm them, you got, I mean, what can I get for Ben Simmons right now? Do we even try this out? What do we do, Drew? So it, what would you do right now? Well, the one I feel the most uh, pain for at the moment is Steve Nash. Uh, because I think a lot of people are going to use him as the scapegoat for this, just like the Lakers did for Vogel. 
this is not on, in my opinion, entirely on Steve Nash. Yes, he probably could have made some more adjustments or could have tried something different offensively to provide Kevin and Kyrie with easier shots. Uh, but unfortunately for Steve Nash, it, you know, this is the role that he took on. And I think he thought it was going to be filled with rose petals uh, and, you know, lavender lotions and creams. Uh, it, it is not. They're down in the mud. They're getting dirty. And, and look, the, the Nets are a prime example of if everyone healthy and removing COVID, they wouldn't be in the seventh seed. This would not have happened. They would not be playing, you know, potentially the best team in the East in the first round out of, uh, within the Boston Celtics. So if things go according to plan, this looks a lot different. And maybe they're in the four or five, maybe they're in the two or three, you know, maybe, maybe this is, you know, just one of those things where they can um, brush it off as this was a weird year, but moving forward, you got to give Kevin Durant and Kyrie some other options offensively that just weren't on this roster. And so whether that means Ben Simmons is integrated into the fold and then you figure it out from there, um, or it means, really the absence of Joe Harris meant a lot more to this team than we ever would have thought, because I do think he would have been pretty, pretty helpful. Uh, even though I think uh, Seth Curry and Patty Mills and Gort, you know, Dragic all played a pretty good role in general, they didn't have their, you know, legitimate six foot six ish, six, seven ish wing defender, three and D guy. He's not a, he, Joe Harris is not going to stop anybody on defense, but at least he's a bigger body than, uh, those guys that I just mentioned that are all in that point guard kind of six, three range. Uh, so at least it makes it a little bit more difficult when you're going up against, a, you know, somebody who's six, seven, than it would be six, three um, moving forward though. It's, it's about the same process that the Lakers are going to have to go through. And it's like, okay, who can we bring in that actually rounds this team off? Uh, because you're going to be most likely with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, Kevin's locked up. So we assume based on that, the nets will probably offer Kyrie, some sort of contract because we know Kevin still wants to play with him. But the notion that Kyrie should be in, you know, in the meeting room <laughs> with everybody else, like you know, asking questions of these potential suitors that they want to bring in for free agency or make trades for is absolutely outrageous and ridiculous. You know, maybe play 80 games once <laughs> before you think that you have some sort of control over the, over the car that is being driven down the road here. Uh, he cannot be in front office meetings. Uh, he should not be. And, and frankly, Kevin Durant shouldn't be either, but I, I would understand that one more. I understand your franchise. There's literally, yeah. I can maybe name three, Steph, Braun, and KD, maybe, that I would at least run things by. Right. But like, do you do you think Danny Ainge ever ran things by anybody? No, Danny Ainge did his fucking job. Right. And I'm going to do what's best for our team to win. Right. I don't care if you like this guy. Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen hated Dennis Rodman. But when Phil comes in and says, hey, guys, we have a shot to get Dennis. You know what? Michael and Scotty well, took Scotty a little more time. But Michael said, yeah. Let's get him on our team. You don't want to know why? Because he's going to help us win, right? You may not be buddy buddy with with everybody, but I feel you. I don't. I, I think you can run things by KD. Hey man, what do you think about us going after yes. Kayvon, Kayvon Looney or something like that? What do you think? And if and if KD says, yeah, hey man, let's get him in for a work. Like yeah, I understand that, sure. but it shouldn't be the end all be all of like okay, well KD doesn't want him, so no, we can't have him on our team. You feel me? Right. Yes, absolutely. And that's the way that most franchises should operate. I wish it's the way the Lakers operated a little bit more. Uh, but I think that the thing about what's going to happen this offseason for them is they probably will keep Kyrie. 
I think one of the wisest things that Stephen A. Smith has said in recent days is don't sign this man to a five-year all-out. How could you possibly with any confidence without having some real solid fine print in the bottom of the contract sign him to any sort of like long deal? You can't. Can't do it. So I think the best way for the Nets to protect them to protect themselves is maybe do these, you know, one and ones or two and one kind of deal. Uh, still give him, you know, the the money per year that he's looking for, like on a, you know, on a an annual salary basis, but break that down into a section where you're more palatable if he just decides to retire, or if he just decides that he doesn't want to play for a year. Because that like, might happen, Drew. Make that sure might you're protected. Yeah, make sure you're protected on that end, and that's going to. I mean, that's a whole nother thing because I can't remember an instance where we'd have to be so worried about a star player for a team that may not want to play again. Like this is, you know, it, it's real tough. And obviously with those smaller contracts that I think ultimately will help the nets because if he's on smaller contracts, you can move that money around to make for some more like roster flexibility and bring in some, some guys who actually might cost a little bit more to help round out that squad, as opposed to just having Kyrie and, and Katie way up on top and then everybody else way down below, you need to, you need to have a nicer mix. Um, and unfortunately everybody else on that squad, uh, LaMarcus and Blake and, you know, this whole litany of guys that we were somewhat excited about, you know, the beginning of the season contributing were, were pr- pretty much non-factors throughout this entire series. But bigger picture to me, and maybe this will move us forward, the Celtics are damn good. Right? This is the other thing. Like, we watched game one. That was, that was an unbelievable game one. Buzzer beater by Jason Tatum. Everyone on planet Earth was like, this is going six or seven. No problems. The Celtics had other, <laughs> other plans. And we're able to sweep a team with Kevin Durant and with Kyrie Irving based on their suffocating defense. So as much as we want to, you know, point the finger at Kyrie, at Katie, at Steve Nash, at Ben Simmons, at Sean Marks, whoever, whatever it is, I think maybe the finger needs to be pointed at the Celtics and go, this team's pretty fucking good. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you. I think there's so much drama and so many storylines with Brooklyn that it takes away from Boston and the fact that they outplayed, outcoached, outhustled, outdefended Brooklyn. That's just what it was. And um, I have one more uh, more thing to say about Brooklyn, and then I want to put a freaking fork in it. And I I swear to God, I don't want to mention Ben Simmons or Kyrie's (laughs) name again, and I know something's going to happen in the next two weeks. But, like, so KD immediately gets into a – uh, a Twitter beef with Chuck on TNT. Did you see this at all, Drew? No, I was unaware. Chuck made a, a bus driver comment, and then KD went and you know posted pictures of like Chuck playing with with uh, Clyde Drexler and Elijah Wan, and then Chuck, Chuck playing his rookie year with with uh, Dr. J and Maurice Cheeks and shit like this. So it kept going back and forth, and then KD referred to himself as the God, KD the God. You have a whole uh, a whole room of producers trying to come at KD the God, right? And I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Hold hold up, hold up one second here, son. I'm fine. With, I'm fine. Call yourself whatever you want, dude. Call yourself whatever you want. You want to call yourself a god? Call yourself a god. But don't think for one second that Clips ain't going to come over here and defend my guy LeBron James. Everybody wants to come at LeBron about being the chosen one and tattooing it on his body. But then we got we got we got KD calling himself a god. So I don't know, Drew. I think that's a little bit too far. Correct? I think he's been hanging out with Kyrie too long. When did this happen? When did this happen? You became a god. (laughs) Hey, well, I I feel like um, Brooklyn might have brought that out of him. 
I feel like they refer to, to God, like they have those, these God, Sham God. Isn't God, Sham God from, from New York? Yes. Is it from Providence? I can't remember. But like, I feel like the God nicknames kind of flow through New York. Uh, I don't know, time Drew. Time. I'm not liking it. I don't like it. But I guess I, there is something about it that I do like. And it's like, if you're, what's, what's bigger or greater than a king? A God. A God. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, to me, that's a shot right at LeBron James. Oh, man, don't that's start fantastic. this. Game. And so the, the best Twitter clapback was, and I had to write this down. It said, uh, hold on, let me find it real quick. All right. So the best Twitter clapback from, from KD saying that was a, one dude tweeted him. He said, hey, gods don't get clamped by Grant Williams. <laughs> Grant Williams. I started, no, song hero. Drew. Hey, look, I wish we had, this could be a three hour podcast because (laughs) it's like, we are spending all this bullshit time talking about these guys like Ben Simmons that we shouldn't be talking about. We shouldn't, we should be talking about Brandon Clark's and Grant Williams's and Jose Alvarado's and, and Herb Jones's these fucking guys that are coming out. The Scotty Barnes is playing on one fucking leg, one leg. And he's coming back, right? Watching Joker play last night, right? Gave it everything this man had. Everything he had to win that game last night. And nothing but respect after the game. The ultimate currency, Draymond Green, after the game. Hey, thank you for making me better. That's a fucking MVP. And one more one more thing about the smiles like Trey. And I, I don't even want to talk about Trey Young and, and getting clamped and how bad he was. 30 turnovers in this series, by the way. And then smiling afterwards. With like Kyrie was smiling, happy afterwards. And that's fine if you want to be happy, whatnot. But, you know, a couple years ago, the meme of the year was Joel Embiid crying after he lost, right? I want that guy. I want the guy that's fucking crying after the game. I want the guy that's so hurt, he's worked his ass off all year with his team, gave everything that he that he possibly had, and, and everything would have been different with one bounce, one more bounce, and things would have been different. But... I want the guy that's crying after a loss because he gave it everything he had, not the guy smiling and, and, and writing off. Remember, Trey Young's the guy that said, we don't even like the regular season. We just care about the postseason. Remember that? That's going to come back and bite you in the ass. And, and, and simple, Trey needs help, dog. Trey needs a lot of help down there. He's a little too little. They know how to put the clamps down on him. Um, and he's going to need some help. The defense was great. But, yes, we need to give props to, to, to the Boston Celtics. They played extremely well. They were coached really well, and everybody's bought in. These are this is a completely different team than I watched last year or two years ago, even the beginning of the beginning of the yeah six the six months ago. It's a completely yes. different team. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's what it takes, Drew. It takes chemistry and time on court, and that's fine. Even Kyrie came out and said, "Well, we didn't have the luxury of playing together all season because <laughs> of you, funny. bro." Yeah, which is pretty funny. That's pretty funny. God, does he sometimes, do this on Sometimes purpose? all they need is a mirror. All they need is a mirror sometimes, <laughs> Clips. <laughs> does he do this on purpose just to get me sweating on the podcast, bro? I think that's what he did. Um, we'll get more into Boston when we talk about second round. Another team I want to talk about really quick that it's just I, – I'm so infuriated with, and I want to talk about Minnesota. Drew, can these guys just play fucking basketball? Can they just <laughs> stop with the theatrics and play basketball? Okay? I want to root for you, Minnesota. I want to root for you, Cat. I want you to do well. But the amount of bonehead shit that this team does, spearheaded by my guy, Patrick Beverly, spearheaded, okay? I'm glad that they, they embodied his, like, his vibe and like they're all hyped and they're bought in and they're playing defense and whatnot. But these guys are playing like eight different games within the game, Drew. It's like 
one game with the referees. It's one game with the fans. It's one game that like actually playing basketball. Then there's this other game where it's like, okay, well, who can flop the hardest? Who can, who can be the sneakiest and try to get by on the referees, right? And you're spending all this time and energy doing that instead of playing the game. You're up 15 points. I swear on, 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 the, on the Clippers, dude. I put this on everything I love. I put this on Mama Clips, dude. The second, the second that Cat... The first shush that he did to the crowd, the second he did that, I said the game's over. I texted, I texted our NBA guy. I said, no, that's a wrap. He, what, what are you doing, right? And then what's crazy is it's not crazy. The second, can we? First of all, let's stop with the, the muscle flexing and let's stop with the "you're too small," especially to you, Patrick. The second he did the "you're too small" to John Morant, you want to know what happened after that? John Morant scored every point the rest of the game to win the game, right? <laughs> And, you know, it, it, the thing that bugs me, Drew, is like you're in this position. Minnesota has not been to the second round since 2004, Drew, okay? You know what's happening in 2004? Mark Zuckerberg is just launching Facebook from Harvard, from his <laughs> dorm room in Harvard, okay? Meet the Falkers just came out. Passion of the Christ just dropped. That's how long it's been. You're the franchise player, and you have an opportunity to take your franchise somewhere they haven't been in decades and you're too busy fucking around with the fans in Memphis, the hardest place to play, dude. These guys don't play around. You saw when, when uh, Desmond Bain, like touch, touch the coach or the, the coach touched Desmond Bain. You see people in the background standing up. They're ready to fucking fight in Memphis. Right? So it, it just bothers me, man. And this series, in my opinion, the series is over. The series is over because of the antics that these guys are doing. And it bugs me, man, because you're so close. You're up 15 fucking points. If you could lock in, even at the end of the game, Drew, the end of that game, nobody knows what they're doing. Is it Anthony Edwards? Is it Cat? Cat wants to be the guy. What's he do? He dribbles it off his foot. Turnover. D'Angelo Russell takes the dumbest, hits nothing but backboard shot I've ever seen, right? It has to, it has to be Anthony Edwards at the buzzer even to get them tied up. And then what does he do on the inbounds pass? He, he presses the inbounds pass for a, for a wide open layup for Ja. So I'm just, they shouldn't have been in that position um, at the get-go. That shouldn't have been done. I'm so infuriated, and I love Pat, man. You know I do. I am the biggest Patrick Beverly advocate there is, but there's some times where it's just like, yo, bro, this is way too much. The, the, it's just so much what you're trying to do. Can you just play fucking basketball? Yeah, and I think that's where Pat Beverly as a leader is important at times, but it's also important to have another leader on that team whatever team Pat Beverly is on, he can be a leader, but he can't be the ultimate leader because he gets lost in the moment time and time again. We've seen it over and over in his career. He gets so intense and that's part of the value that he brings to anything that he's on. He's so tunnel vision. It does like some, he just, you know, he, he'll do shit that you're like, what, what was that? Which is why you need a second leader to fucking rein him in and to balance. Right. And they don't have that right now. They just don't have it. Uh, I, you know, maybe down the road, Carl Anthony Towns will figure it out maybe down the road at Ann Edwards, uh, but they are leaderless outside of Pat Beverly, in my opinion, in this, in this particular roster for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But a secondary point is this is where Chris Finch, the head coach of Minnesota needs to really step it up a little bit here. And, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about how much coaches can influence their teams or how little they can. They're not on the court, right? So they can't 
you know, demand that they run a play and then, and then run it themselves. Right. But on some level, if you're a head coach and your team is getting up 20 points, 20 plus points in a game, you shouldn't immediately give that away, you know, before halftime. I think that was what game game four or something like that, where they were up by like 27 in the, in the middle of the second quarter. The only time in playoff history that a team's come back from 25 plus points down in a series, man. And there's a reason and, for that. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, again, I do think this may end up saying more about like the resolve of the Grizzlies and their team dynamics than it does speak loudly about the Timberwolves. Clearly the Timberwolves need to work on this shit. Um, But to me, this is a great launching point forward for the Grizzlies. They're going to take care of business in this series, whether it's, you know, game six or game seven, they're going to win this series. They're going to move on. And that will have provided them with the confidence to move into the next round and go, okay, well, we, we got the Warriors next. Uh, that's not going to be an easy task for them. They need to not let these types of things happen moving forward in this playoffs, right? You go up, you, you can come back, you know, down 27 points against the T-Wolves. You're probably not going to be able to do that against the Warriors, right? So, you know, it's, there, it's a very interesting dynamic that I'm witnessing here. We're seeing the burgeoning young stars in Minnesota maybe finding their footing, but it always takes at least one. Right. I think the old adage about like how many seasons Michael Jordan lost in the playoffs always, always is forgetful for people, because after those losses, all you saw was victories and championships. But it took him a lot, a lot of years to get through those first humps of of postseason lack of success. And I think the positive thing for the T-Wolves is this is happening quicker than I think the organization thought. I don't think that the front office for the Timberwolves thought that they would be in this position this fast with Anthony Edwards now in just his second year. Furthermore, you calling out Carl Anthony Towns uh, is is important because, as I mentioned, while Pat Beverly is clearly the leader, he should be hundred percent the one that's that that's the calming influence or or wh- however whatever version of leadership he wants to be. It has to be him right now, and I don't think he's ready to embrace that role. But again. This is happening faster for them than I think most people would have expected. So this is a huge milestone for them. They're going to lose. They're going to learn this year. They're going to lose and they're going to learn. But next year, we need to see growth on top of this. They can't be down in the 10, 9, 8, 7 seed next year and then have this thing happen again. The most important part about building a franchise and building a team and a winning culture is not making the same mistakes. But that's all I'm my hope, all- is, my hope is my hope is that's what's going to happen for the Timberwolves. That's all I'm seeing, though, Drew. All these guys want to do is con- – and there, there's a pun involved in this. All they're doing is poking a sleeping grizzly bear in this series. They want to keep it, – it, every time this happens, uh, they turn it on. Like, Cat has looked like a clown a few times in this series. Like, just play the fucking game, man. Let's not worry about all that extra stuff, right? Do you see Giannis doing any of that? Do you see, like, Steph doing any of that? (laughs) Steph is for the theatrics at times and whatnot. It is what it is. But, like, you don't see the greats doing shit like that, bro. Let's get off of, like... I, I just, especially with Pat, I just feel like all you're trying to do is get fouls and get under people's skin instead of playing basketball the way you can play, make buckets, right? But it's the bonehead mistakes. And I do hope they do learn, Drew. And again, I have no skin in the game. I don't care who wins this series. I'd love to no. see Memphis and Golden State, but I just, I want Cat to do well and everything is, is, is going the other direction for me. Well, I mean, the, the, the fun part is from third party, like we don't really have a, a horse in this race. 
this has been exciting, right? So like if we can yeah. remove the disappointment factor <laughs> from some of this, this series has delivered on like a highlight level that you know maybe maybe the best dunk of the cent of the of the decade of the century. Uh, man, let me happen, homie. <laughs> homie, so, again. I mean, the, for for as as poor at, on both ends, as poor as it has been from either team, concentration wise, defense wise, you know, offensive scheme wise, it has been one hell of a series to watch. And I I'm hopeful it goes seven because every minute is entertaining. Man, I that that dunk was absolutely insane. This this outrageous. This freaking, I, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a top shot moment, but it's going to cost a pretty penny, and yeah. I, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to be able to afford it. But man, is that kid exciting, bro? And again, you know, shouldn't have won Most Improved Player because the guy's been great since he came into the NBA. I'm still pissed at that. Jordan Poole should be. That was part of the podcast today, but we don't have a lot of time. So, well, no, we talked about that on the last podcast. <laughs> I mean, I alluded to it. I'm like, John Morant probably is going to win MVP or MIP, most improved player, because that's just like what it is now. But he's the first and only rookie of the year to win most improved. It's like, how do you, you don't do that. You no, don't win rookie of the year. No. And then two years later, win most improved after becoming an all-star. It's like, no, no you're, you're good. You came in good. You're, you're, you're getting better good. as we expect, but you shouldn't be awarded. It, it turned into uh, the, the most improved player has turned into great season but we're not voting you for MVP. So here's this award. That's what it's turned into. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I just don't think it was fair to Jordan Poole. I really don't, but, yeah, or Darius Garland, Darius but Darius Garland, another guy that we, <laughs> the, we apologize to. The cool thing was, was Desmond Bain gave his left, left, or excuse me, John Morant left his trophy for Desmond Bain in his kitchen, which I thought was really dope. What a teammate, right? Those guys are clicking. That's the guy I want leading my squad. Seems like they have something really special there. The, the last thing that I wanted to mention is this part of the success that the T-Wolves are having against this Grizzlies is something that I pointed out when we were when we were thinking the Clippers would be playing against the Grizzlies in this series. Steven Adams can't play. The Grizzlies offense gets stagnant with him not on the court. That's the truth. That's the truth. And that's the blueprint moving forward. The T-Wolves have been able to do it because of the special talent that is Carl Anthony Towns. Teams moving forward like, like the Warriors. Guess who they're going to not play a lot of? Fucking Kevon Looney. Like the death lineup, they got Draymond Green on center. Guess who's not going to be on the floor very much for the Grizzlies? Steven Adams. So it's going to be a problem because while I am, you know, just a, an innocent fan and bystander, you can notice trends if you watch enough. That's a problem for the Grizzlies. And that could be the reason that they don't make it past the Warriors in the next round, in my opinion. Okay, Drew, I, I want to play a sound for you, and I want you to tell, tell me what you think it is going, in, going into this next part of the podcast. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. You hear that, Drew? Do you hear my, do you hear my horses coming, Drew? Is that, is that your dark horse? That is my dark horse that, that it looks like a Toronto Raptor right now. My dark horses are mounting the dark horse, and we are, it's a 3-2 series. The game is going on right now. Maybe the best thing that happened in this series was, was Van Vliet going down. Maybe it was because now all they got is nothing. Lord, you thought the Clippers were Lord of the Wings. These guys <laughs> are just throwing length at James Harden all day long, and they're playing, they're, they're playing really good basketball, man. Are you scared at all? Do the Raptors have a chance? Is Doc going to do this again? We, we saw Doc yesterday in the press conference finally talk about. He went through his history. <laughs> what was that? He went through his history. He's trying to set the record straight, he, right? He, and he set it straight. You know, a lot of people don't. I, you know, you you forget about that that blown that blown Orlando one. And it's like, yo, they were the eight seed, right? So like maybe that was gonna happen. The one he he held accountable for was the bubble Clippers one, which is hundred percent your fault, Doc. Yes, but, it was. 
Candace, you talk, you want to talk about the Clippers being cursed. What if this happens again? If Toronto wins this tonight, they're in Toronto, Drew. They're going to play their asses off. Again, Scotty Barnes coming back and playing. Siakam was great in the last game. Uh, what do you, what do you, and, and, and look, we're seeing a shell of James Harden right now. What the fuck is going on? Well, so as of right now, it's almost halftime. The Sixers only up by one point. Ooh. It's, it's, a, it's a one point lead. Uh, I would have a lot more faith in the Sixers pulling it out if it wasn't for Doc Rivers. I mean, that's just the unfortunate part about that history that he set straight for everybody. The truth of the matter is he owns the most 3-1 up losses in series in, 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 in NBA history. He owns that record. Unfortunately, whether he believes that he deserves to own that or not, it's the truth. So, um, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm definitely nervous. What I, what I am befuddled by is I, when you lose Scotty Barnes for a moment and you lose Van Vliet, you lose those two guys and you're going, okay, the Sixers should wrap this up like very quickly. And they're not. And this is the unfortunate part about what Embiid has to deal with on his side is that uh, while not all of it is, you know, for him to take the blame of, he also hasn't been playing very well. Right. I mean, so we can talk how how poor or not poor James Harden is playing, but Embiid hasn't been the dominant Embiid that we all expected out of him in this series where I don't know who the heaviest player on the Toronto Raptors is, but Embiid's got to have 40 pounds on the guy, whoever that guy is. You know what I'm saying? Like he has to have at least 30 to 40 pounds on their heaviest player and is clearly should be the best player on the floor every time he touches that floor in that series. So he's been disappointing. James Harden has also been disappointing. I don't think they're going to lose this series. I, do, I think that I, I, being up 3-0 is something that you, you cannot lose a series after being up 3-0. That just can't. It's never happened in the history of the NBA. I don't think it's going to happen this year. But, you know, game seven could be tight buttholes all around. And who knows what happens then, right? Because it's just one game. So my hope for the Sixers and Sixers fans is that they just take care of business right now. Just do it right now. Don't put yourself in a situation where you're back at home with your fans that turn on you at a moment's notice, <laughs> tough, tough spot to need your fans to back you up for a game seven Philly. So my hope is that, the, <laughs> that they can avoid that moment in front of their fans and heaven forbid they go down eight to two in the first four minutes of the game. The, those Philly fans might be turning on them real quick in game seven. So, but clearly to me, they also are the better team. So they, they, they should figure this out. They should figure this out and then they'll have a fucking hell of a time against Miami because it looks like Miami's going to, wipe the floor with them just just based on what, everything I've seen out of these two teams over the last two weeks if it was any other coach but Doc I'd be just so rooting for for uh Toronto to lose or for Philly to win right I want I really I don't want this to happen to Doc I like Doc but just for the sake of my dark horse call I want Toronto to win this series so bad and they put up a fight man you got to give it to the guys they definitely put up a fight and it's a one-point game as we speak so who knows we'll, we'll know by the time this podcast is over probably um a really quick Golden State Denver Denver really never had a shot man they really they they didn't they just were outplayed uh again i can't say enough about joker the guy just did absolutely every i couldn't believe last night there's nothing really pretty beside about his game than passing right his footwork and passing is like the prettiest part of his game everything else is just so not sexy right but it's good and it's great 
And again, like he hurt his hip last night, got on the bike and said, dude, put me in. I'm, and, and went, went point for point to at the end there, you know, and the, these, these other guys like Shaq likes to say the others, but like, look, Gary Payton was great last night. Draymond green tried his best, uh, uh, defensively Steph was awesome Clay was great I we saw a lot from uh I want to give props to Aaron Gordon too we didn't like after game run just game one just putting up all these three pointers the rest of the the rest of these games that he's played this guy's been fighting for rebounds uh you know uh trying to muscle down in the post he's done everything he possibly can Monte Morris had a good game Will Barton had a good game last night it's just not enough he didn't have enough bullets in the chamber again like we just said about about Brooklyn and like we said about the Clippers, like we said about the Lakers, like we said about uh, Chicago. If you don't have your best players, man, you, you, you're, you're just dead in the water. If Jamal Murray's there and Michael Porter Jr.'s there, who knows what, what would have happened in that series. But again, the NBA is a better place when, 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 when uh, Golden State's in the second round, right? And they look like everything's clicking on all cylinders. And if you were to tell me right now the Golden State Warriors can win a championship, I would be fine with that. I would, I can see that possibly happening. Um, so what did you, did you have anything to say about that? See, I'm more looking forward to the next series. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think the unfortunate part for the nuggets is uh, the warriors f- found their footing in this, in this first series. And they found it for the, like at the worst possible moment for nuggets fans and for the nuggets players and organization, the lineup of death, or whatever, whatever death nickname, lineup, death lineup, whatever version of this we want to call it. It's a good lineup, and it's a lineup clips. I will be patting myself on the back for this one. Uh, you like to pat yourself on the back a lot. Well, I also, I mean, just for our listeners, like, I, you know, sometimes they forget how good we are. So sometimes I just like to remind them. No, Drew. When Draymond went out and Clay came back in the beginning or the middle of the year, I had, adv- I had advocated for them to use Clay as the power forward. Because he's lost his lateral quickness, as you as you do <laughs> when you know half your body is damaged. Uh, but he's still six eight, and he can he can bang. He's strong. He's sturdy. Uh, and during that time, I was hoping that it would be Looney involved because Draymond was off the court. So Looney, Clay, Poole, Wiggins, Curry. That was the lineup I wanted them to go with. They fucked around with that for a little bit, and then Steph got injured, and Draymond came back, and things changed. They're now using it with Draymond. The, the optimum lineup, Looney on the bench. So that lineup, Dre, Clay, Wiggies, Poole, Steph, it's it's fuego. I don't know. I, there's nothing else to say. It's fucking awesome. I love watching it. It's so much fun. They're everywhere. They're impossible to guard on defense. Uh, and they have found their footing. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> this is sometimes how it works out for a team like Denver who overachieved with what they were dealt with this year. Um, all because think, of their MVP though, because of him. Then that's the, the thing I was just, I was just going to touch on is like, people might look at this series and be like, this is why I didn't vote for Joker for MVP. And if that's the case, then you don't know what you're watching. You don't know what you're doing because there's, they don't, they don't even, they're not even close to sniffing any of these games. And they were, they were tough outs in some of these games. These, these weren't all 20 point, 25 point blowouts. They were in most of these games and it's all because of Joker mm-hmm. and Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon did what we asked him to. Uh, after the first game step up make smart moves cut to the basket utilize your athleticism rebound the fucking ball especially when they went small he needed to be on the glass a lot mm-hmm. i think he's i think he did he showed well and i think he, he he did a better job than he started off with in this series uh but they they're running into a juggernaut right now um you know and and with the state of all the remaining teams in the west including 
the Suns who are in a fight for their lives right now without no book, uh, and and the Grizz who are struggling to beat this you know this circus team over here from Minnesota. How could you look at the Warriors and be like they don't have the best odds to move to the championship right now? I think to me they're clearly the favorites in the West right now, unless Devin Booker comes back at one hundred percent for the next round, which with hamstrings we know it took james harden six well, months to get rid of him well here's an up here's an hamstring. up here's an update so. drew devin booker's playing tonight is he in, he's in tonight devin booker is cleared to play tonight he will be playing and this is why oh, I wish that's I had huge my team. I, it's huge for them i also am a little nervous about it i well, think right. it might be too a little soon? it might be too soon right yeah. now look game four cp was clamped the Pelicans, again, can we just give these guys some shine? Let's stop talking about all these other these other squads. Let's give these guys some shine. Like your boy Herb Jones looks fucking amazing. Give me that guy on my team any day of the week. Give me Alvarado yes. on my team any day of the week, man. CJ's been having a rough, a rough uh, few games. But look, Brandon Ingram, just like we were talking about Jason Tatum last year and, and going into this year, this guy's turning into an elite scorer. There's so much Kobe in his game. It's it's ridiculous to me, man. There's a lot of Kobe in his game. He's got the full bag. His bags are packed. It's a Louis V duffel bag full of <laughs> nothing but tricks. Brandon Ingram's good. Um, and defensively, they're they're nice, dude. They have a lot of good pieces on that squad. Jackson Hayes is, is coming up. They're giving people problems. Now, they clamp CP in game four, and then what people expected is CP come back and orchestrate like a crazy game. If Mikael Bridges doesn't have the game that he had, I don't know if they they really, uh, you know, have that outcome. But now we're seeing why Bridges. Bridges had three blocks, right? And 40, what did he have? 40 point, 38 points, something like that. It was absolutely ridiculous. He, I know for a fact he played like a, a 37 minutes. I'll actually give you the stat. Uh, Mikael Bridges was... 31 points, four blocks, 47 minutes. The guy just put it in. Um, and you need games like that when when Booker's out. And CP can't do everything. Again, he was – dude, he was huffing. Alvarado had this guy huffing. He was so tired, right? But that just goes to show what, how great Chris Paul is. And, again, the playoffs will be better if, if Phoenix is in the run for this. I'd like to see the Pelicans get tonight, though. Let's take it to game seven and make it real spicy just for the sake of, of basketball and our podcast. Um, yes. But I'd really, I'd really like to see that. I would just want to give props to the Pelicans because I think that their future is really good. And if you could figure out what you're, what you're doing with Zion, it'll be really interesting for them. Yeah. And, and my wish, unfortunately, has not come true. Zion still hasn't laced them up and put, put step foot on the floor, even though, I mean, now would be the time. Clips, I've said it. I don't know how many times recently we both said it. But now, I mean, game six at home, Good, at least get him into warmups. Put him in a warm. Make him make get him make, in the line. Make the Suns think he might play. Put a put a game time decision on him. GTD something right. because God damn, they'd be shaking in their boots right now if they had Zion on the floor. They're not losing this game in Game Six at home as Zion's playing 15, 20 minutes. They're not losing this game. Who's guarding three hundred and thirty pounds Zion right now? Nobody. DeAndre Ayton? No. Nope. Nope. Jay Crowder? Yep. Nope. Not happening. Isn't that happening? So look, I get, I understand where I have to move past that point. Yeah. But to me, it's like, yo, you want to have a one eight upset and like flip the entire league on its head. You take out the best team, in the entire NBA in the first round. This was, this is it. This is your moment. This is how you get Zion fucking fired up to re-sign again. This is how you get CJ and Brandon Ingram to want to stay in new Orleans, fucking put him on the court and like shake shit up, but it's not going to happen. So I'm upset. I'm a little upset about that. Also, Zion's awesome, and I want to see him play basketball. Yeah. It's, it's so much fun to watch. 
needless to say, Brandon Ingram doesn't get enough love. Mm-hmm. He's buried. He's buried in a tough conference in the West with forwards and guards or whatever you want to call him. You reference Kobe. I see a lot of Kevin Durant in this kid's game as well. He's like the same size as KD. He presents the same problems. He has all of the range. He can score at all three levels. I think KD's better in the mid post. I think Brandon Ingram will get even better in the mid post as he gets older because that's when you know I can get I can get a twelve footer off. I'm no one's blocking that. I'm going to hit that, and his points per game will go up gradually over the next couple five years or whatever. He's special, and Mikael Bridges is the one who's trying to guard him. One that, guys that we touted. One of the guys we touted for defensive player of the year, probably arguably finished, I think, second, right? In, mm-hmm. in, in voting behind Marcus Smart, tip of the cap to Marcus. Uh, but he's not doing it against just some schmoes. He's not doing it against Denver, you know, who doesn't have, you know, a lot of wing depth on the, on the defensive side of things. He's doing it against one of the most elite defensive players, Ironmen, that we have in the NBA, Mikael Bridges, and a Suns team who was defensively top five the entire year. So if CJ can pick it up, they don't, they might not even need Zion. If, 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 if Booker isn't the same, which, you know, I don't know how you can possibly come back that fast from a hamstring industry in injury. And I'm, I'm knocking on wood, hoping that you and I are both correct uh, in, in assuming it wasn't too fast, but it also shows some panic to me clips. They're panicking. Mm-hmm. They're, they're bringing him back as fast as he possibly can get on the court, which means they don't think they can do it without him. Um, so the, the last piece I'll say is that this also illustrates Devin Booker's case for MVP, Devin Booker's case for first team all NBA, something I, a place I did not have him on, uh, which I, now I look back, I, I probably would switch to Rosen and Booker if I could do it all over again for my first and second team. But Devin Booker's importance to this team cannot be understated. They're, they're, they might, they might lose the series without him on the court to a team that finished whatever, eight games under 500 for the season. So this has been fun too. This one has been fun. I have this is the series that I've caught the least of, unfortunately, and I'm looking forward to watching tonight. Yeah, there's there's no love loss either. Like it's funny. Like these guys are rookies, man. Herb's a rookie. Alvar, I mean, Alvarado's not doing anything like super spectacular on the offensive end. But watch this kid play, man. So much heart. I listened to a podcast the other day where Antonio Daniels, who covers the Pelicans, and he just said that Alvarado is an undrafted kid from Queens who just plays his ass off, man. And he's, he's gotten two eight second violations on Chris Paul. It's so, and it frustrates the shit out of Chris. I know Chris is frustrated by this kid and he's tired and wearing him out. The Pelicans can, can be something special, man. If they keep this shit together and figure out what they got to do about Zion. I don't want to spend forever. He referred to himself as, as the new age Pat Bev, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't the know light, if you saw this. The, no, the light skin Pat Bev. Look, there it is. Light skin, light skin Pat Bev. Okay. Puerto here, Rican. Here, let me, if 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 uh, Grand Theft Alvarado is listening to our podcast, let me give you just one piece of advice. You can be the light-skinned Pat Bev, but be better, my friend. <laughs> be better. Learn from Pat's mistakes, okay? You don't necessarily want to be Pat Beverly. Not everybody can be Pat Bev, all right? <laughs> That's true. So, I don't want to spend forever on Utah because I, I just do not like talking about Utah. I can't wait till this team is blown up in the offseason. But any any thoughts on Utah, Dallas? That That is the final game tonight. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my, my only point was it, it, it goes back to our analysis before the series started. If Luka plays, Dallas wins. Mm-hmm. Luka didn't need to play, and they were probably going to win this series. That's how poorly it's gone for Utah. Obviously, Donovan, again, dealing with – 
some uh, nagging injuries, uh, you know, just, just being banged up and being that size player, you're going to, by this time of the year, you're going to have something that's going wrong or something that's hurting, something that's not a hundred percent. And unfortunately for him, it continues to happen in these crucial moments, but yeah, man, I, I, I think it's the time is approaching rapidly, you know, with, with this first round exit that I expect to happen. They're, they're not going to, they're not going to be the same team as they were for the last, whatever, four or five years. Yeah. You know, I'm going back to something I, I said after game one was like, you know, if, if Brunson's your, your main score, I think you're, you're going to have a lot of problems. And, and Brunson has been absolutely phenomenal. So good in this series. <laughs> Air Brunson has just been, he held his own while Luca was out. Yep. Luca's back. And uh, I mean, there, he's going to get paid this summer for sure as he should but he he's been he's been very very good and and th- again this is yet another guy like we were saying the Grayson Allens and the the Brandon Clarks and all these guys that are putting in all this work um, that aren't getting the love they deserve these guys these guys are putting in work man they need to be they need to be noticed and seen um I want to get to these games Drew so tell me about your your uh, final thought do you have a final thought my final thought is this um I encourage everybody to get married if they if they happen to find what I have found in my now wife. As a as a man in the United States, we don't put a lot of time or thought into this process for the most part. Some guys do, which is awesome. I was one of the individuals that did not grow up wondering what my wedding would be like or the experience. I was more focused on finding the woman that I would eventually like to marry. And I did that. But going through the experience, it is awesome. And I encourage everybody as, you know, COVID is looming or not looming. We've had you know a lot of rough years where weddings were not happening or, or increasingly smaller and smaller just because of the parameters of the world we live in. Luckily for us, we've had, a uh, huge turnout to our wedding. We had a lot of people that showed up and a lot of people that un- that still couldn't make it, but sent their love. But to be in a room where it's dedicated to you and your significant other and people just love you and they just send your, you know, send love your way the entire weekend. It was a phenomenal experience. So I don't, I don't, not everyone needs to get married. It's not for everybody, but everyone that has an opportunity to to do it with the person that's right for you. I highly recommend it. It was like Disneyland for adults. It's the best way I can say it. It's the happiest place on earth for that 48 hours that we were in that wedding bubble, if you will, with the same people you're seeing family and friends, all your favorite people are there for the most part. It was such an enjoyable experience. I would do it again next weekend. Uh, But that's only the case because I found, I found the one that was right for me. So sentimental note about marriage from your boy as a final thought, but it was well worth missing these awesome games that I missed. And I don't say that lightly because I ended up missing my first Liverpool game in like seven years. And that was on Tuesday. I didn't even realize it was happening because I didn't care because I was so happy. It just puts everything in perspective for me and I'm very grateful. So thank you, Clips, for coming out. Thanks to all my friends and family and all of the listeners that reached out to me from this podcast. That was tremendous. I didn't expect that. So I appreciate everyone that gave us well wishes. And of course we appreciate everyone that showed up as well and love to everybody. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I, I think you and I had a nice conversation before uh, when I got in on Friday, we got to have a little heart to heart and I like to let people know 
Like I let you know, dude, she's perfect for you. What, what you're never going to find a better woman than that. That is, that is your soulmate. That is who you should be with. You're, you, you are doing it perfectly. And I'm not going to turn this into my thoughts on marriage because I have completely opposite thoughts, but um, I'm very happy for you, dude. And I told you that and I'm glad, I'm glad I got to be a part of that. Um, and there was a donut wall. So, I mean, how, how are we going to turn down a donut wall? I didn't get a donut clips. The donut wall was such a hit. There was a line. There was a lineup at our dessert table because these donuts were on fire. They were so good. I did. People had multiples. I didn't even have one. Everybody at my table, table, everybody at my table, table eight knew about my donut sobriety and they were all curious as to which one I was going to go with. But I just want everybody to know I ate it classy. I ate it with a fork and knife because I was at a wedding. Um, I chose the basic glazed with chocolate. It was, it was phenomenal. Great wedding. Um, I have a three part final thought. I'm going to make this really quick. It's three parts. Cause I got three things I wanted to get out of the way. Number one, my final thought is Russ deletes his IG deleted <laughs> everything off of his IG. First, it just started with Lakers and Wizards stuff and he just left the OKC stuff. Then he wiped it clean. And, uh, then he put up, <laughs> does, does he, that mean he texted Sam Presti? Like, can I come home? And Sam well, said, no, this is my thought. This is my thought. Uh, I think that he, he then he put up one post today and the, the caption was one of one and it was a Nipsey like audio quote, which I thought was really dope. Uh, but in in my mind, I think the, the Russell Westbrook time in LA is done. That's what I'm thinking. And if best case scenario for you, Drew and the Lakers, I, I hope that Presti and the Lakers reach a deal where you can get draft picks and send Russell home. Right. And let him be in a place. Alexander. Give us Shea Alexander. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think Poku is your best. SGA, Poku. let's go. Poku, SGA, let's go. Poku and Picks is probably the best way you're going to go right now. That's Poku just, and Giddy? Can I get Poku and Giddy? I don't think that's going to work either. They're going <laughs> to. I think it's Poku and Poku Picks. and Trey Man. Give me Poku and Trey that, Man. That that's would what, be great. That's, that's what I want. Trey Man, Poku, and Picks. I like it. I think it works. I'm a. I, I think he. I think he could go to OKC, be the player he wants to be, where he's going to be loved and embraced, and no high expectations whatsoever. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Going off of that, Blake Griffin liked a tweet yesterday about him coming home to Los Angeles. Hey now. I reposted it on our page and my personal page. Um, Blake hasn't done anything like that in a long time. I love Blake Griffin. Blake means a lot to us and to Clippers, like even to the, like new age Clipper fans, Blake means a lot. I would love if we can get Blake Griffin home for this next coming season. Um, I thought he can play sparing minutes. We don't need much from him. If he takes two games off, three games off, but comes in and does something like he did in, uh, in game four against or game three against Brooklyn or with Brooklyn, I would love that. The fans would embrace him. It would give him an opportunity to win a chip. I really think I've, I've said this so many times, healthy next season Clippers are next year is my year. We're winning a championship. If Blake could be a part of it, icing on the cake. Want to get that out of the way. Final thought. Our boy, Earl J.R. Smith. Yes. Okay. Student athlete of the year coming in with a 4.0. Yes. And this just this just gets blips on the radar because all people want to talk about, like us, is Kyrie and Ben and all this <laughs> dumb shit going on in the NBA. And you want to know, like, when I saw that, I was so happy for him, right? And the appropriate... The appropriate to get giggles and likes, the appropriate text or or comment on it would be post the picture and post anything is possible, right? Like that's of what course. that's what yeah, but you know what? I don't want to do that. I don't want to dumb it down. Uh, J.R. Smith should not be known for 
uh, just that, right? The henny and the shirt off at the thing. Like this dude is a 12 year, it came out from high school, you know, did his time. People uh, make their assumptions about him and about 35 year olds in general that can't go back to school and get a 4.0 and play on the golf team and be a student athlete. This guy did it. This guy did shit that us that we couldn't do right now. Could you imagine me going back to school and getting a 4.0? Not happening. I think <laughs> I think there needs to be light shed on that. And I'm happy for J.R. Smith, man, because it was kind of like a joke when it started. Oh, he's going to go play golf in college. Yeah, he did. And he got a 4.0 while doing it. So suck it, uh, media who doesn't want to talk about it. So I'm proud. <laughs> I'm proud of Earl Smith. And I know you were stoked on it, too. Oh, man, you know, that was one of the few Instagram posts that caught my eye over the course of the last few days. And, and thank you for reposting it, because I would not have caught it. What an accomplishment for this man. I'm so proud of him. And unfortunately for Jr., I think the highlight of his golf season was getting attacked by bees that one yeah. time he was on the course. <laughs> so I think first and foremost, congratulations on a 4.0. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. 4.0 is never easy. I don't care what stage of life you're in, middle school, high school, whatever. 4.0 is difficult, especially at the collegiate level. And I think secondly, I'm excited for sophomore, sophomore JR. Let's get him out on the course. Let's get those numbers back. Like I want to see more footage of JR Smith on the golf course. Uh, but that's beside the point. I have to, I have to, like, I would, I would love to shake his hand. I would love to give him some daps, whatever, whatever version of congratulations is appropriate. Uh, that is not an easy task. And for a guy who it felt like the reason he wanted to go back to college was to play golf. Turns out the reason he wants to go back to college is because he wants to go to college and that's fucking awesome. Yeah, I totally agree. And, uh, they, you know, all these dumb shows on all these 6,000 different channels. Can you just give him his own reality show? God like damn. Earl goes we've to been college. Calling, we've been calling for this since, since we found out. The face, been, Facebook, Facebook's missed an opportunity. A hundred percent. Netflix. We have, yeah. we, Netflix can, can do a show in 48 hours. They can, they can green light a show. Hey, Netflix, you've lost $200 million this past week. Get, a JR, get Earl Smith on there and show the life and times of Earl Smith. Uh, it'd be absolutely, it'd be so interesting. Real quick, you mentioned getting stung by bees. Just to let you know, Rudy Gobert got stung by a bee today by his own beehive. Who, who, how does Rudy Gobert have his own beehive? He has pet bees, man. What is wrong with this dude? I think that's, uh, that says, uh, that says so much about Gobert that he's into bees. Oh my God. Like it, it just, it really frames it. It frames it so perfectly like that he would have a beehive in his backyard. So he could eat his like French charcuterie plate with like fresh organic honey on the brie uh, with with some salami or whatever the hell type of charcuterie, some prosciutto. I don't know. How, I don't know how it goes. Like olives are usually involved there. But yeah, th that actually to me, I, I, I'm not surprised. It like totally fits within the realm. Can you see him in a beekeeper suit? That's no, I can like, just see was, him like he had, like he had like meld two regular beekeeper suits suits together to create one that he fits in. That's no, hilarious. I, just see, I see him meeting random people and having a conversation, and then be like, "So, do you have any pets?" And he's like, uh, "Of course." And then they say, "Well, what do you have?" And he's like, "I have a, a thousand bees." And I'm like, "Bees? What the fuck, Rudy?" So he's gonna have a big bee sting. That was a horrible French impression. I'm sorry if we have any French people. I work for French people, so my French is really bad. Um, oh shit. I'm, I'm hoping to see him with like a bandage over his cheek 
today because of the beasting that he got. But uh, hey, we're going to be, we, I know we, we took a hiatus. We are going to be back faster and quicker. We're going to hopefully be back Monday. We want to drop a couple of these podcasts, um, you know, during the playoffs faster. Uh, if you have any questions or want us to talk about anything on the show, email us clipsanddrew at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Ask us questions. Tell us to fuck off, whatever you want to do. Uh, keep screenshotting, recording. Uh, when you're listening to the show, we really appreciate it. But we're done, bro. We're ghosts. We're going to go watch these games. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew. And we're ghosts. You know what it is. You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the follow through with Clips and Drew. What up, podcast? What up? What up, podcast? You know what it is. You know where you're at. This is the follow through. hotel room for the last three nights we stayed in two three four two three four that's that has to mean something <laughs> it means this is going to be a great one